0: A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum. To steal a line-out, make a break, and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend. For one team to become champion.
1: But it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide and he finds a winger! Oederman!
0: He's faster than a bald man's haircut! Oederman and he gets a try, what a heartbreaker!
2: Welcome to MLR Kickoff, Episode eighty-seven, with your hosts Dan Power and Pete Steinberg.
0: Well, what a week that was! I'm tired just from reading the scores, folks. Week six was an absolute barn burner, and this show is going to follow suit. Dan Power with you alongside the Professor, Pete Steinberg, just fresh off his big uh, all-access Fox Sports two in studio debut, looking all suave and sexy. Pete, how you doing, buddy?
1: Good. I had to. It's it's funny because you know, when, um, the only time I've had to like get out real business clothing is for MLR. <laughs> Other than that, it's like, you know, business on top and party down below with your zoom calls. Right. So I had to find the suit, got the suit out, um, looked, uh, like dusted it off and, uh, enjoyed hanging out with, uh, Mark and Stacy Stacy and Austin for a of it.
0: Yeah. I did, I did one of the games in shorts. I had the business shirt on with a jacket and shorts and then realized that afterwards we went out for dinner and I'm like, oh can't really go out to a restaurant wearing a pair of gym shorts with a blazer and a business shirt. So I've gone back to full. Well, I, was, business I mean, side. I was
1: out like, like, you know, I stayed at, there's a really nice um, Marriott brand new Marriott in downtown Austin rooftop pool, like really. So I, that's where I was staying. And I, I got, you know, first of all, I was it with Ben Holden and, and, you know, those people that have heard Ben, um, you know, relatively new to rugby, but like such a pro on on the play-by-play and, and you know, has, has been a play-by-play guy for various sports for like 20 years, right? So I, I come downstairs in my suit right down the elevator and I meet Ben out in the lobby. And he's wearing his like, you know, nice pants, but he's got a T-shirt on. And then hanging up, he's got his shirt and polo. And he goes, oh, Pete, you want a coffee? And I was like, yeah, I'd love. And then I was like, hold on. I'm like this guy is smart. He's. I'm like. I don't know that I can have a coffee. I'm a kind of a messy eater. So yeah. My travel tip, my Ben Holden travel tip, is on the way to the studio. Don't wear your um your like jacket and your number ones. Your number ones. That's right. Have them hanging Mm. up. So so when you spill things, it's it's not a real
0: problem. Good for you, mate. Good for you. I got delayed by four hours. I know. I know.
1: We we caught up. We caught up. We in, did. Yep. In, 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 for a little bit. Second time we've seen each other. But we caught up at the airport and, and and hung out for a few minutes. And, you know, I, I was upgraded, of course. So, you know, you were kind enough. Your, your flight was slightly delayed at that point. It was only 30 minutes delayed, but it was very foggy. And I guess yeah. your plane couldn't get in. And and I landed in Austin and you still hadn't taken off.
0: No, I got so- the
1: video. And I think I found out that you're taking, I was like four hours after I saw you and you were finally in the air.
0: So the the dangers of flying the day of the game because you had a scare too, because your game time got Yeah, yeah,
1: game was moved up, right. So it's lucky you didn't get delayed. I landed landed and I have these emails and voicemails and text messages that's like, hey, they, they moved the game up, so.
0: Yeah, so I went from being like, I land six hours before the kickoff, actually seven hours before kickoff. And all of a sudden, I'm delayed. I'm like, that's no big deal. 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, two hours. I'm like, "Eh, I'm still good. I'm still good. Four hours. And then I'm like, we're about to take off. And the the dreaded announcement comes over. It's too late now for this crew to board. They would go over there a lot of time. By the time we have to wait for another crew. And I'm looking at my estimated arrival time. And so the game started at 9 p.m. Eastern. And of course... East where we're doing the games from an east coast time zone and it's got me landing at like 7 30. And I'm like, geez, that's tired. That's just <laughs> I've got to go get a car, I've got to, you know, get there. I've got to get changed. I'm not like you told me, I was just wearing just you know, travel clothes. And but yeah, I made it. No dramas. We got there, got it done. Uh, great crew, figured it all out. So yeah, there's your travel tip. Uh if there's fog. Take a bus. I, I, a think I, may have, I may have said to you, hey, why don't you get on my flight to Austin and connect? And you're like, I, ah. I do." Yeah, that sounds exactly like something I would say. I actually did start to panic at one point, Pete, and started quickly looking flights from Denver to like Chicago or somewhere and driving to, to Indy yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in just a mad dash. But no, got there, did it. It's all safe. And uh, you know what else is safe? Shopping at shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. And he knows I'm coming to him, so he's frantically trying to scroll through his computer for the specials. We had the bundle last time, Pete. The uh, the spring bundle. What is it this week? It is Salute the Troops campaign. Oh, great campaign! And
1: 2021 Salute the Troops campaign. Some very very cool MLR stuff on um, with uh, with camo. Um, so you can go and get some um, Salute the Troops. Uh, actually, there's some really, really cool stuff on here. Dan, like, I might start like getting some of the stuff. Yeah, I saw but, yeah.
0: Seattle training in there and their camo gear. So they've they've always had a really strong connection with the with the services. Obviously, Eric Michelle. Yeah. I think Will, Will Holder was there for a little bit. I know he's at San Diego as well. But um, and I know they've got a lot of stuff with. There's a big Army base up there uh, near Seattle. It, always been. And it was. Uh, um, I think it was like salute
1: service or salute the service at uh, 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 ATL this past weekend. Mm-hmm. um so you know i think that there's uh, there's there's a long history of rugby in the military academies um and there's uh um you know it's where some of the best rugby in college is played right so the army navy yeah. game rugby is a big deal um there have been uh, um uh mcmaster who was a, a general and was the national security advisor i think um under trump played rugby at west point yep. there's there's, there's a number of people, Air Force has a very good program. So And rugby is a sponsored DoD sport. So they have yeah. uh, combined services teams, they have a combined service championship. So there's, you know, as, as you can imagine, there's a lot of um, uh, opportunity to learn skills in rugby that might be um, applied in the
0: military. So uh, um, lots of, lots of strong connections. There is. And uh, obviously we'll take our opportunity to thank all the servicemen and women in the US and abroad, Canada, uh, all the MLR teams represented there and it's a great cause. So get on and get some of that stuff. But it's a big show. We're going to dive into all week six action. Uh, We have our play of the week joining us as well, plus a very special guest at the Pickhams at the end of the show. So stick around for that one. Ooh, it is uh, it, it is a good one. It's Elon Musk, Joe Rogan-esque. So just make sure <laughs> you stick around for that one. All right, let's jump in to the opening game of the weekend. Pete, you were on this game. ATL over Noah, 38-28 at home. Um, a, a bit of a weather-affected game because the well, game moved I mean, because of it, but also some rain. So Yeah, it in, was really
1: interesting. So the game got moved up, I think, an hour and a half because they were worried about a storm. And literally it rained for about the last five minutes of the first half and then halftime. And that was it. Like and it was torrential downpour at halftime. But by the time the second half kicked off a little bit, maybe a couple of minutes in, it was, it was pretty open, but this was actually good game. Um, great game to call. Great game to watch. Uh, rug, um, rugby ATL were, were really down after their loss to Austin the week before they came out like gangbusters, like scored a couple of tries up front. Thought this was, Um, you know, it might be a blowout. Um, Nola came back, scored a couple of tries, right? Um, Dino Waldron got two tries. Um, As Kura got a try, it was like the first 20 minutes, Dan, was like really, really high-level play. We were like, each team is going to score 50 points. Then it it calmed down a little bit. And actually the second half is where this game was decided. Um, And it was the defense of um, ATL. So um, in phase play, Nola didn't score in the second half. They scored from a drop ball that Cam Dolan
3: yeah. picked.
0: Um, yeah, i I watched the highlights of that. Was was that okay on review that try? I know it was awarded, but it looked like there may have been a ricochet off a of Nola hand, and then it went down into Stevens back yeah, up they, to Dolan.
1: There are a couple of calls this week that we don't have a TMO, and so the referee calls it. The referee calls it. I think I think that's probably the way the way to go. Um, yes. If we if we go to the stats, there are some things that are really interesting. Um, And there's going to be a bit of a theme, it's going to be part of the deep dive that we're going to have a little bit um, later, which is uh, you know Nola lose despite having 55% of the possession and 54% of the territory. So how do they lose? They lose because they had 16 turnovers versus 10, and Atlanta made 169 tackles and missed 12. That's a 93 percent tackle rate.
0: That's awesome
1: that's like that that's like we know nola can defend right we we know that's what it is but you know i'm sorry adl can def- um, defend but you know nola they they played much quicker right they they played much quicker but they didn't get over the game line right they only got over the game line 38% of the time rugby atl got over 55% of the time um you know and then some of the other stuff that i think i think was uh, um, was was interesting is on the um, on the scrums only thirteen scrums. Both teams won one hundred percent. It was like a really clean game in the scrums. Lineouts, both teams were over eighty percent. It was it was pretty good. Both teams had seven seven penalties each, so it was a really well played game. It was just the fact that Nola, despite the possession that they had, they didn't have a solution for ATL and you know i talked to um nate osborne before the game as part of the prep and he talked about you know atl leave this space out wide but it's not really space that's there by the time you get there they cover it and yeah. in the second half despite like they they didn't do it in the first half they kind of earned the right to go wide but in the second half you could see them trying to move the, trying to catch up by moving that ball wide too early and atl were just able to shut them down
0: little diversion there, you know, like uh, David Copperfield, watch this hand while the other hand doesn't work. (laughs) Give me some space and you think it's there and you go and it's like, that's not going to work. But uh, hey, before we move on, just want to give a shout out to Jason Dam. 16 carries, a huge workload. And if if the start of the year, like outside of Jason, probably Jason Dam and his inner circle, you would have said he'd be doing what he's doing. I think you'd have too many people who would uh, have him on the radar. He's got to be on Gary Gold's
3: radar.
1: Yeah, well, we... I mean, I mean, this was the matchup of number eights, right? So it was Cam Dolan and Jason Dam. So, like, um, in our pregame, Ben and I highlighted it's sort of like, like, you know, the current and the future equal number eight. I think, I mean, he has to be. And Scott yeah. Lawrence is just like this guy doesn't like he scored like like their score. He doesn't really make negative plays. Um, he has won one game by scoring a try to win. He's lost one game by giving away a penalty, right? But like for a young guy, like he's yeah. Yeah, he he he's got to be in the squad. He has to be. I mean, but the back row is so strong for the U.S. Like, there are so many good, and for Canada, both mm-hmm. both teams have really really strong um, back rows. Like Matt Matt Heaton's in in here, and you're like, you know, you've got Nako Penny, you've got Lucas Rumble, you've got Matt Heaton. They're all number sevens for Canada. Yeah, great players, right? And so both both Canada and the U.S. You can see the athleticism that that the back row is providing.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's move on. San Diego, LA or California clash out there at the Coliseum. A lot of C's there for everyone. 45-17. Uh, um, normally when you have a score under that, you you wouldn't make this next statement, but uh, it wasn't even that close, to be honest with you. LA never looked threatened here.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this is again, um, you know, San Diego have really had some problems Um in, in their back line, right, they're, they're, they're really struggling, they didn't have Dylan Orsley, as a primary kicker, you could see that, they really struggled to get any, to play in the right part of the field, but they had 56% of the possession, but with only, look, and, and they had seven line breaks, which is pretty good, but with only 44% of the possession, right, um, the Giltinis had 10 line breaks, the Giltinis are the best in the league at line breaks and the best at the league at converting those line breaks into tries, and we'll talk about why that's important, but, the other thing that we're not talking enough about with the Giltinis is how good their defense is. So they had 146 tackles made. They only missed 21. That's 87. Like anything sort of above 85 is, is good. I think, I think the Giltinis have a good defense. They, their set piece is a bit of a weakness. Like, I think that's where they can, you know, you can look at the scrum. It was a little bit better this year, but I mean this, this week, but you could see that it was a, uh, um, uh, you know, that um, they, you know, they really had some, um, some struggles in the lineouts. So I think that's, that's where we may want to look. But, you know, this is something we haven't talked about much on the showdown. You know, San Diego failed to get out of their 22, 20% of the time. So when they had the ball inside their 22, they failed to get out 20% of the time. um and they tried to run over 50%. So that just tells you that San Diego didn't, doesn't have a big foot. They don't have a big kicker. They don't have someone that can get them down the field. And that's going to be a, a real struggle for them.
0: Yeah, it is. And like you said, the injuries just keep mounting out there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the roster they put together this week. And and, and,
1: and so, Dan, just just the other thing. LA might have a bit of a penalty issue. Like they had 14 penalties in this game alone. Remember... In the Atlanta Nola game, there were 14 penalties total. So so you know, Diego had 13 2 So maybe it's the referee, but you know, there there are some like, yeah, I mean you maybe you have to look pretty hard, but there's definitely some chinks here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me let me know when uh, when you find those chinks and uh, I'll I'll sell that they're to you.
1: They're scrum and right chinks. Very small, but they're chinks.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, I think that armor is pretty impeccable. All right, moving on. Toronto, over 100 points in the last two weeks. They thumped New York at home, 53 points to 12. Uh, I personally didn't see this one coming at all. I really had New York as one of my top teams in the East coming to this game. But Toronto, wow, they have just turned up in the last two weeks. And they're playing a brand of rugby that makes them very attractive on the East now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like this is like the Toronto that we saw last year right that they were on a roll um and you know we're going to talk a little bit about possession and territory and you know when you look at the possession straps it's 40 something 50 something like they're normally pretty close um Toronto had 61 percent of the possession and 63 percent of the territory I mean I mean that's like so overwhelming they had 11 line breaks to four by New York and they made 89 percent of their tackles yeah. So it was, just, it was just a really, really, really good performance. You know, the benefit, what New York did do is they got over the game line well. So they were able to get over the game line, but they just weren't able to do much. They just didn't have enough of the ball. They, um, you know, struggled a little bit with their ball, their, their ball retention, right? So um, they had no breakdown steals of Toronto, but Toronto had six. And who was leading that, Dan? Can you guess? Can you guess we're which... gonna say
0: it rhymes with Rukas Lumble?
1: It does, it does. Lucas Rumble had another three breakdowns. I mean, steals, it's it's nuts. This guy is like dominating games at the breakdown. It's just he's he's doing such a good job of um of disrupting, it makes it very, very difficult to, to play against. So um, you know, the, the New York Scrum was a bit of a challenge. So, um, and, you know, but they were able to disrupt the line out. I think the New York line out is still a strength, but man, this Toronto teammate, what I love is I love watching their um, backs play. Mm. Like the, the angles that they run, they've got multiple options. Like they've got guys coming in and out and Montero is like now getting the ball a lot. So beware.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That guy is a beast. I would have loved to have seen them play L.A. this week instead of three weeks ago in that mess down in New Orleans.
1: You know, I think I think if 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 I was going to lay money and if anyone actually trusted me to make any predictions, I think Toronto-L.A. <laughs> is probably a pretty good bet
0: in the final. For, for, for a final, yeah. I mean, judging from the last couple of weeks, it's hard to argue with that. All right, mate, let's move on. Uh, Sunday's game, it was uh, Old Glory D.C. 35 over New England 22 uh this was this was a weird game it was super windy and the wind really did favor old glory in the first half new england in the second half but uh old glory do enough here a couple of penalties from jason robinson and then a late try the difference maker so
1: this was sort of a weird game because it was always close but i never felt like old glory were going to lose
0: it they were always
1: always kept staying ahead and and they had that little purple patch right right at the end of this First half, beginning the second half. I think they scored three tries, like that, that. That kind of like, like, like their first half was really good, and then it looked like they just like shifted down to third gear and kind of cruised. Got a try at the end to get the bonus point, but I never felt like um, New England were really gonna um, win this one. And the difference for me in this game because a lot of the stats are really similar, right? So possession and territory in the fifties right? Um, You know, kicks 14-15, turnovers conceded 10-9, you know, penalties 14-14 was the um, DC had 64% quick ball and um, New England had 54. And you kind of felt that you saw Hmm. saw that DC had more like, it felt like they had more attacking options. Um, Obviously the, the the uh, um, um, you know, the Danny Tussatala, Jason Robertson, like when they get clicking, it works really well. And I think that number is probably as much about the speed of um, uh, Danny Tucetollo
0: at the breakdown more than anything else. I'm just trying to see what the penalty count was. It's not 14 14, 14, 14. It just It didn't feel like that. It felt like New England really got, maybe it was a key moment. It was in the, the scrum. So the
1: really struggled. They had five penalties against them in the scrum. Um, but in the ruck, Old Glory had nine penalties against them in the ruck. So. Yeah, Um, and it was definitely a run. So if you look in that in that period where New England scored their three tries, like it was a a lot, like just a ton of penalties all against New England, and then in the second half there was a string of penalties all against uh, um, uh, against DC. So interesting, interesting kind of mix of how those penalties.
0: Yeah, look at look at those set piece numbers though. Old Glory, one hundred percent on their own scrum. Seventy-one percent with New England. Yeah. Seventy-three on the line at sixty-nine. That's not too bad, but um, that's scrum, Old Glory scrum, which was their Achilles' heel last year, wasn't it? And now it was, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's actually been—they're been, leaning on it.
1: They—they they really are. And, and a shout out to um, Mike DeBulus, right? So Mike DeBulus, go, Sydney Lions! But like, check in. Got a great, great try um with with a break but interesting to see this you know and this this goes back to something that Aaron always talks about with MLR being a a ground for development I mean I know there's a lot of talk about the number of foreign players but you look at someone like Mike Debulis who was in the squad last year didn't get to play very much maybe on the bench and now he is starting 15 he started a game at 10 and he's having a real positive impact I think when we see players like that we can say hmm this is kind of like pretty cool for the U.S. athlete
0: yeah, El Polo Loco, he is, uh, he's a good player, the crazy chicken. I bet a lot of the old glory players that you and I have spoken to, Peter, like when you ask who's like kind of a local guy to watch, it's always De Bullis. And this year he's, he's been outstanding. And, and another great game, scored a great try, finished it off a little set-piece play that they put together well, but he was strong with his kicking game. Gives him a big left boot now to complement the right boots of Robinson and Tussitala, so... Yeah, lots of like there in uh, DC and a good hit back after they uh, had a rough run against New York the week before. All right, Seattle on the road against Austin. This one started tight. It was was pretty close there initially, but similar to what you said about Old Glory, never looking like they were in trouble, I kind of got the feeling watching this game uh, with Austin. I'm just like, uh, I just felt like they had a couple extra gears and then once they hit them, it was game over. It ended up 42-15. Ned Hodson with a, a soaring try at the end there to seal the deal was a good one. But uh, what were your take on this one, Pete? Well, I think what, what we're
1: seeing here with Seattle is 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 we're seeing that there's no longer a seawall. Right. So so when you when when you looked at the first two years and and you know you, you think about you know what really defines Seattle, what defines Seattle in their championship years are uh, were um, were, you know, this this defense. And the defense was based around, like, three things. Contesting at the breakdown to slow the ball down. Um, and that's where Vili Toletau was, like, really, really phenomenal for them. Um, a very strong strong launch that allowed you to defend the game line and then physicality in the tackle. And in this game, the Gilgronies made the game line 82% of the time. I mean, that's a really, really, like, um, the game line was made by, Seattle, sixty-six percent of the time. That's good. Eighty-two percent is is really nuts, and that's that's why they had almost sixty percent quick ball. Seattle's quick ball, Dan, thirty-three percent. Wow, now, I'm not sure I've seen a quick ball number that low. Right, and it's because they lost the game line a third of the time. They lost the game. That line.
2: might be the lowest quick ball percentage in the league, like, oh. like history, like, like for I'm not four joking. Years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I mean it's so. Like, so this is a team that's really, really struggling, um, and and you can just see it come through with the stats. Austin's a really interesting one, right? I mean, I I feel like Austin is a little bit like Seattle of the first two years. They're very good at what they do, right? They've got a, they've got three very good kickers. Um, you know, they had uh, Tori Alba starting this game. Dan, one of one of our favourites, but with Pete Kelly, yeah. they got some real depth at nine. Um, they managed to get out of their twenty-two. Every single time they had 0% um, of exits out of their 22, but they picked 56% of the time, which is pretty high for, for major league rugby. So, you know, um, issues for the Gilgronies struck late. Like they've, they've got an experienced drum, but they only completed 56, 56% of their scrums. Some of that's the referee, but you've got to be a little bit concerned about that. Um, but very, very good at the lineout. I mean, they stole seven lineouts from, um, uh, from from Seattle, so you know. A really- Here's
0: one for you. How many were Isaac Ross? And I know. Again, I'll I'm put you under pressure. of here.
1: them were Isaac Ross.
0: Yeah, one of them what, were. What a pen- signing!
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good signing, right? Yeah. Was it two tries he scored?
0: I mean, no, he, was- got yes, he, he got one. He got one. He got up and he was limping, that's- and I'm yeah. like, oh, surely not another lock. They're going to oh, lose here. <laughs> but I think he just knocked the wind out of himself. I'm sure Sam Harris was like, what? What is it with locks and Austin, you know these guys just keep going down. So, but they're all going to be back. They're not long term injuries, so yeah. they're going to be really strong here in a couple of weeks.
1: And and one of our favorite guys, right? And I think he's an OG. I think he's an original Gilgroni, right? Zinzan elan Pudik.
0: Me and him, baby, we're the OGs. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I mean, I come I mean a, what a touch later, some,
1: like that's that's a pretty good like takes over from Frank Halle, like a pretty good like some big shoes to fill and has just a killer game right? Scores a couple of tries himself, like some great breaks. So great to see him back on the field. That like, like I see that and I say, these guys have some, have some real depth here, right? They really do. Yeah. yeah it's great
0: for Ginny I mean, he Tudor. Had, he had put
1: it, he's played fly half. He's played scrum, yep. like scrum half for these guys. He's played yeah. fullback. Like he's, he's, he's good. But the, the Seawolves, like we, you know, there's been some announcements um, with Clark going up. there as a director of rugby, Rory Best, being on the coaching staff um, uh, party uh, to Ivoluka, um, like being like stepping in as a head coach. There's some work that they have to do there. It's going to be interesting to see um, how they turn that round.
0: How long till Rory Best pulls on a Seaworlds jersey, you think?
1: <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to depend a little bit on how much he's been training for the last six months.
0: Yeah. We'll see. At, at Rory's age, he'll probably do a session on that uh, that starfire turf and the, the hips and the lower back will hurt. And you'll be like, no, thanks. I'm not getting yeah, out there that's, and getting, getting right. hit as well. It's like, it's like whenever you ask
1: Alex Corbisario whether he wants to come back and play in MLR, I think, I think you know, and, and Alex is young, right? He's in his early yeah. 30s. And, uh, you know, he's I think he's happy with where he is. And I think that Rory Best is, you know, happy. it'll be interesting because it's, it's hard that transition when you go from being an elite player to a coach, because Mm -hmm. there are things that you can do that's better than those players. So it'll be interesting to see how he does working with guys that aren't as good as him. I mean, he was one of the best in the world, right? So
3: yeah, um, hopefully
1: he'll bring a lot to that, um, to that Seattle pack. And in particular, the, the line out that really struggled.
0: All right. Professor's breakdown for the week is Utah 50 Houston 43. This one in Utah 93 combined points. I think it just fell shy of the record for points in a match. Aaron might be able to confirm or deny that. But if if it, w-
2: it had I don't to be to look, but maybe by one, because I don't think we've ever had have we had a game that went over hundred points?
0: I kind of feel like we have, but
2: so yeah. So this is, I
0: feel like Pete knows this, Sam. No, I don't
2: know oh. it. Like
1: that kind of stuff I don't care about. Okay. Records. I care about performance um so yeah this is this is a game um so i you know this is a game i was i was able to watch and i I haven't quite worked out if houston are any good like it's it's difficult for me to to know if they're any good i mean um povey scored three nice tries but if i'm udon like i'm like how are we letting someone run through the middle of our defense and score tries um you know sam Windsor has played really well at 12. But his try was sort of like a little bit of a bubbled ball. So I haven't quite worked out if you – I think that they are good, but I don't think they're playing well, which is kind of weird. And, again, this is another example. They have the slight edge in possession, the edge in territory, but they lose the game. So lots of things about this um, very similar. Uh, Utah have 10-line breaks. Houston have 11-line breaks. They both were great on attack. Um, Utah had 80% game line made. Um, Sabercats had 75. Um, the tackle rates weren't terrible, but they weren't great, right? So Utah at 79% and Sabercats at 82. So where did the difference come in this game? Um, and why was Houston really with 10 minutes to go? They were they, they were 14 points up, it was 50, 36. You know, how did they get to that point where they really should have just like nailed it? Uh, but they didn't. And I'll talk a little bit about that. Well, penalties. Right, so 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 penalties was was one of the things that kept Houston in the game, um, at, but Utah's quick ball. Utah had sixty nine percent quick ball to um, uh, Houston's fifty two. That allowed them to play much faster, right? And because they played faster, they were able to get some attacks. Um, it was the Mikey and Mika show, right? So Mikey Teo and um, Mika Cruze on the outside. Um, like really doing great. Mikey Taylor had an amazing game, Like you just can't give these guys space. And that's my concern about Houston. I'm just not sure defensively that they're really um, able to do what they need to do. Utah did a great job. They they actually had um, a pretty good kicking game. They're able to get out of their 22 consistently. Shorty's playing really well, um, you know, and uh, only 10 scrums, which was great, but Utah had four steals. So, you know, Utah really had this game in hand it's except really for the penalties and because of what they did in the last 10 minutes, right? They were up, um, you know, 50 to 36 with 10 minutes to go. And uh, they um, give the try, I think to Povey with like eight minutes to go because they're playing around and they're trying to play fast in their own half. So that makes it 50 43. So they're up seven. There's like five minutes to go. And in that, Five minutes, I mean, I was watching this game with um, Ben Holden um, in Austin and I was pulling my hair out. I was like, I, I can't believe they're doing this. They took a quick line out with um, like four minutes to go and up seven inside their own half. Like even, even the producer and cameraman didn't think they were gonna do that. It was nuts. I'm like, Sean Pittman must be like, what the heck? Like take a minute, take the minute. It was, it was like nuts. Um, And then they have the ball, right, with two minutes to go. And this really bugs me, right, because they have the ball. Just hold on to the ball for two minutes. Go through 20 phases for pick-up. Nope, they they kick it, right? And then all of a sudden, they find themselves um, defending inside their own half for, like, uh, more than 10 phases. It's Houston trying. It It was crazy. It was crazy. So the last 10 minutes... Was absolutely not how you should close out a game. Um, I think that Sean Pittman needs to talk to the team. They need better leadership. They need to have better decision making in that in that situation. Um, but I like this Utah team. It was great to see um, Oli Khalifi out there. He had a good mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, he made nine tackles, only missed one. You know, six ball carries. Um, really, really did uh, a lot of good work. But you know Mikey Tao's like stat line is you know two tries 19 ball carries 189 yards i mean he's the fullback so he gets a lot of those himself but two line breaks eight tackle breaks like what a what a great game and then um, Mika Cruz as well i mean in fact and, and you know Joseph Manor on the other side like this is a back three that and you know i i actually called this a little bit right in this game in, in all access when we were previewing this and I said, you want to be really careful when you kick to the back three of Utah, because they've got one of the best back threes in the league. Do you like Mika on the wing or at 13? Well, I think that he can, I think, um, I actually think he's a better defender at 13. Look, I think Mika's challenge is that he's a great attacker. He's a great athlete. He's not yet a great defender, but I think for him, it's more. I think it's easier for him to defend at thirteen. I think fourteen, the positioning is very different. Um, I don't think he quite has the pace to really be a true winger, and so I think that I prefer him at thirteen. But I think attacking wise, he can do everything he needs to do at either of those positions. I think, I think
2: we've th- seen like like skillful wingers in this competition because um, he was a fly half until he went to Glendale. Right. Um. So he can kick. He can distribute. He can do pretty much anything. The defense is where you know he needs to crank up as he gets older, which obviously he'll get. But like you can't kick to any of those guys because they can either exit on foot or kick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tonata Tana- Tana- as well. I remember he was unreal back there too. So I don't know if he's done or. But I'm guaranteeing I won't. I won't speak for Mika's high school coach, but I'm guaranteeing he played ten because you want to get the ball in your best right. his hand it's much <laughs> as often. I don't think he passed very often at ten. I, I have to
1: say one thing about Utah that's been a little puzzling for me, and and I think that this might be Chad Goff's experience, but Paul Mallon has been coming off the bench, and he's a really great tight end, and he has not been able to have that impact. So I think like there's some work with with Chad Goff at, at hooker, and you see this with. um Um, Vili Tower as well at New England, your hook is really important in that scrum, right? Even if you have a great tight head. And so I think both those guys who are both young, sort of, you know, converted hookers need to improve in what they're doing. But I want to give a shout out, Dan, to a friend of ours. I want to give a shout out to Sam Windsor because I just want to read his stat line. So 16 points. Okay, scored a try. 11 ball carries for 121 yards and
0: two line breaks. Wow, I mean, I mean that's 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 pretty good. Seven tackles. How did he not make the team of the week? This is a travesty. I want to recount my my man well, Windsor look, should have been in there. Like, you're like three men away from him as your bromance, but you know the
1: big thing mm, about take 12, that back. Yeah, yeah The there's, the thing about twelve when when you move a ten there is their defense. But Sam ended up having um, seven tackles and missing one, so he's actually really killing this. Uh, oh, and um. 13 attack rocks which he probably hasn't he, he probably hasn't seen 13 <laughs> attack rocks. <in> the game. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But he's he's bought into it and it's helping that team like score a lot of points.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's looking good at 12 Sammy. You can do it all, don't worry about that. He cooks, he cleans, he washes the dishes. He's the man. He is the man. All right, let's jump in now to our player of the week. It was uh, the fullback for Rugby ATL, Adrian uh, Carolsa, and he had an absolute blinder for ATL, and he's been actually really outstanding in the last couple of weeks, Pete. So let's uh, not hesitate and bring him into the show. Joined now by MLR Player of the Week for Week 6, Adrian Carosa and Adrian Phenomenal performance on the weekend. Firstly, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you so much.
4: No, yeah, I'm good. I'm just a bit sore. Um, but yeah, we they gave us off a few days. Um, so yeah, I'm just in the recovering mode. Um, so yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Mate, you, you're a bit of a, a late... Edition. Well, not a late addition, but you arrived a little later than the rest of the crew into the season for Rugby ATL this year. So give us a little bit of background about your journey, where you've played rugby, and how you end up finding yourself uh, at Rugby ATL for the 2021 season. So for the past two seasons, I was
4: um, in, I played in South Africa for the Free State Sheeters. um So I played um, in the Pro 14, and I played the Karika Cup, the domestic competition in South Africa and um, now with COVID things got a bit difficult um, and my contract was running out now in Jan and my agent phoned me um, because he has a few guys that's with him that plays here at ATL and he was like um, that Coach Scott is interested in me the way I play and they want to play that that type uh, like a type of brand of rugby and they'll think I'll shoot, um, I'll fit in the plans, how they want to play. And yeah, we, we had the Zoom meeting and yeah, after a month, um, it was like, yeah, but they really want me and um, they sent me the contract and yeah, great. I'm just really grateful to be here. Um, it was a big mission or it was a mission now with COVID getting here um shorting out the visas and stuff so yeah i'm just really grateful to be here and yeah to play
1: rugby so t- tell us a little bit about had have, have, have you been to the u.s before
4: no this is actually what makes it so special this is actually my first time overseas um every time when i had opportunity to go overseas um something happened <laughs> so this is for me quite special and um yeah, I think I'm, I'm here for a reason um, Yeah, ATL. Um, so, yeah, it's quite special, and,
1: yeah, I'm just really grateful to be here. So, you know, you've come into the South, right? The South, and Atlanta is um, a very famous city. Can you talk to us a little bit about, and obviously with COVID, there are some restrictions that you've had, but talk to us a little bit about, you know, what surprised you when you've moved to... Um, atlanta and in georgia and and maybe like what have been a couple of the things that you've really liked that you've experienced so far
4: so to be honest the first thing when we got there on our way um to the place where i stay uh so back in south africa we have uh, the driver sits on the on the right yeah <laughs> so that was quite that was um like surprisingly And I think the people, like, the first day when I got there, um, so the first day, um, we had medicals. And when I met the guys, they were really cool. Like, everyone literally came up to me and came to to come introduce themselves. And I thought that was was really cool and I really felt, um, like, welcome from the first day. And just the way our coach got them, goes about the thing and the whole setup, um, yeah... I couldn't have asked for better. Um, and like I said, it was a it was a mission getting here. I was supposed to be here on, in February already. Uh, but with the COVID and with the traveling um, restrictions and all of that, um, it made it a bit difficult to get here. So, yeah, I haven't seen Atlanta. Um, I haven't explored yet. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking if, forward
1: to that. Have you had any southern cooking? Have you had grits? Mm-hmm. Have you had fried chicken? Like, have you had anything? Any, any, none, anything? Or, 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 or Scott Lawrence is like, no, none of that. You've got <laughs> spinach and you've got salmon, you've got chicken and that's it.
4: No, so they actually give us dinner,
1: um, like after training and the
4: food is really nice. <laughs> it's really nice. But yeah, I haven't went out yet. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to cultural foods and, food and stuff.
0: Yeah, you're going to you have to sneak out of camp. We won't, we won't tell Scott that you snuck out to, to grab some of that. Get, get to a Southern Waffle House as well. It's an experience and a half. Hey, mate, let's, let's talk a little footy now. Um, obviously, you're playing 15 and you've done extremely well, you know, the, the last two weeks, three weeks at that position. More of a natural 10, more of a natural fly half. What was the conversation coming into the setup? And then what's the long-term plan for you at ATL in terms of position?
4: so when i got here um i got here the thursday um then i trained the friday and so i met with the coaches and with coach steve brett um the attacking coach he was like he's he's gonna give me a run this weekend um with uh when i came here and he said he's gonna use me at 15 um just to take the pressure off me knows because he also asked me um where I'm comfortable and what, what, what position do I want to play? And I like, I told him like, if he thinks I'm, um, I asked it for the team at 15 um, and that's the best for the team. I'll play 15. And um, so he said, uh, the first few games he'll play me at 15 and like how the season goes on. And now with Kurt also out, um, you'll put me slowly, I'll put your playmate fly
0: off. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, and you mentioned Stephen Brett, you and I were chatting a little bit before we, we came on here. Uh, a bit of history there with yourself and Stephen. How's that been working with him? Like I said, the first
4: time when I saw him, I wanted to ask him for a selfie. Um, mm-hmm. so I thought, no, this is this is a bit weird, but it's for me, it's pretty cool. Um, he was a guy I was looking up to. I loved watching him, how he played, um, like a a teching brand of rugby. And he was a really skillful guy. And yeah, it's really cool. Um, And I'm grateful um, to work with him, to learn from him. I mean, he has a lot of experience. He he, he has been around the world. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to working with him. And so far, it has been really good.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the game um, against NOLA. Obviously, a tough opponent. You're, you're expressing that you're still still a little sore. Um, talk a little bit about uh, what you were trying to, like what ATO was trying to do against NOLA and, and how you thought the game went.
4: So um, to be honest, before the game, we had a lot of pressure on us. Um, we had to win. It was a must win must win um, game for us um, and a lot of credit must go to our coaches and um, yeah the way the way they um, they planned um, the strategies um, how we going to play and I think we as players just needed to execute um, so our goal or not our goal but like the way we want to play we want to throw the ball around but um, how the weather was um, the conditions um, wasn't suited to play that kind of rugby and before the game, we were like, the team that um, plays in the right area will win the team. So yeah, it was like one of my goals was um, in the game to win the kicking um, transition. So um, not to run everything, especially especially with the wind ball. So um, our I don't wanna like say what our strategies was. But yeah, just to play in the right areas, and I think our defense was really good. We take pride in our defense. Um, like you all know, Coach Scott is all about you have to tackle the guy. So I think um, I think the first the first half um, we gave away like three soft um, tries, but that was we couldn't exit well, and we put ourselves under pressure. And but I think the second half went much better. I think there was a time in the game when we defended like for 15 or to 16 phases. Um, and like I heard from the guys, like if the team um, defends well, we normally play well. So I think, yeah, we just wanted to play in the right areas. Um, it, let them make their mistakes. And
1: yeah, just play from there. And, yeah, just execute. Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting after Cam Donovan scored that try on the 30, 43rd minute, you guys held them out, right? So you held them out almost a hold of that second half. And even that was from a drop ball. But I, but I do have a question about one play, Adrian, which m- might have been the most dynamic play of the game where there was a kick that went over your head and you were running back and you caught the ball about at the try line. And then you turned and saw a hole <laughs> and accelerated and ran about 60, 70 metres before you passed and, you know. And, and, and the question I have about that kick was, did you, like... Were you going to put the ball down and get a 22? Were you not sure it was over the line? Like, how did you read? Read. I mean, do you remember that play? I'm sure you do. And, and what decision-making? Because when I, I was calling the game and I was like, did it go over the line? Why didn't you put it down? Put it down. And then you didn't put it down, but then you ran 70 meters. So just trying to work out what your thought process was there.
4: So we wanted to exit. Um, and I was back. Luckily, I was already back in the pocket. So um, we called... Um, a call so the nine um the nine must kick and I was in the pocket almost like a bailout option and he kicked and they charged down the ball. Luckily I was already at the back. Um but my first to be honest with you my first instinct was to kick. But the guy was on me so I had, I felt a bit of pressure and like in my head I was like if I put the ball down now it's gonna be a twenty two drop out and then we're gonna give the ball to them. So I thought, okay, if I can beat this guy, but like I said, my first instinct was was to kick. So I thought, okay, if I can beat him, then I'll take the pressure off me and then kick the ball out. And when I when I went past him, I saw there's a whole mess of gap. And yeah. I just and I just went through. Um, and yeah, but to be honest, my, my first instinct was was to kick. Um, but like I said, when I went past him that whole, I, I also thought I surprised my team because I thought they thought I'm going to put the ball <laughs> down. And I think the other team also suspected that I'll put the ball down. So I also thought, or um, also think maybe they stood still, um, thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the ball down. But when I went past him, the hole just opened up. Um, so I just, yeah, I
1: just ran through. You just put your foot down and went through. It's like one of those ones where... As a coach, you're saying, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's sort of
0: like, yeah. it was a great play. It was it was really Thank a, you. Great, a great play. Well, you're a big part in that win, mate. And uh, obviously, ATL needed a win pretty bad there and a good one to get at home. We, we like to do this with all our guests on the show. We do a little superlative thing. Uh, so I know you haven't been at the team long, so we can give you a pass on a few of these. But uh, do your best. Think about your ATL teammates as best you can here, and we'll we'll kind of work through this together. All right. Uh, Who has the best superstition in the team? And what is it? Best pregame superstition or quirk? And who is it at ATL?
4: I think it's (laughs) um, the wing Jeremy Massile. He loves to, he listens to metal music before the game and he just go mad he just tries to bump everyone up so i think that's pretty cool
0: (laughs) the missile so it's him and uh apparently john ryberg the la winger as well is the same way so what is it crazy wingers you'd think that would be someone in the forward pack with the heavy metal (laughs) all right uh next one who well it actually might be the same guy i was going to be like Who's the most intense player in the team to deal with? Like, who who's got the most intensity at training, at games, and you're just like that guy takes it way too seriously sometimes.
4: Um, I think our captain Matt Matt Eaton is quite like a focused guy and just it's just all about getting the job done. And um, yeah, I think he's the most intense guy. Uh, Matt, our captain.
0: All right, this next one over under. Big Mano, is he going to be over ten yellow cards this year or under ten yellow cards? Who is this now? Sorry, Mano, Big Mano uh, Redlingus. Oh, I think he'll be under. <laughs> he's under every game, whenever there's a scuffle, he's yeah, right he's, there. He's right I'm there. Like, <laughs> he's he's, he's <laughs> oh. <laughs> he Looks, he looks. Is he as scary as he looks?
4: No, he's quite he's actually very chilled. Like I also thought, ooh, this guy looks scary,
1: but if you if you um talk to him, he's actually quite cool. Oh, he's, like, he's, yeah, he's one of those guys that you're like, I'm glad he's on my team. Yeah. Like, he's like one like of those he, guys, you just, I don't want to play against that
4: guy. Like he looks like a tough guy, but he's actually quite chilled off the field. Like you won't. Off even, the like, field,
1: right. Off yeah. the, field. On the field, not so chill.
4: <laughs> yeah, on, on the field, he's something different, but like off the field, he's like chilled you won't even hear him if you don't go talk to him. So yeah, I just think on the field, he just
0: switches. All right. Well, this is tough because you haven't done too many road trips. So I'll give you a pass on this one. But what do you think is going to be your favorite ground to play at in MLR? What are you most, what city are you most excited to play in this year? There's actually
4: two cities I'm actually looking forward to. uh, Playing in LA and playing in New York.
2: Yep. Um,
4: yeah, um yeah, um Matt Gitto was actually my role model when I grew up. So I'm really looking forward to um playing against him. Um yeah, so I think LA is my um the place I'm really looking forward to. Um and like I said, like Matt Gitto was uh, one of the guys also I used to look up to while growing up. So yeah, I'm looking forward to playing in LA.
1: So you're like, yep. you're, so, so for that game, you're like, hey, Scott, Coach Scott, can I play 10? Can I please play 10 in that game? <laughs> I want to play 10 in that game. Or you're like, or you know, you'll push out, you'll push out of as It's, if it's current, You're like, hey, hey, I know you've got 10 on your back, but let me be first receiver off the scrum. I'm taking dinner.
0: <laughs> it's always the, the tough one. You don't know whether to to get up there and smash him in attack tackle or ask for his autograph. So <laughs> <laughs> Smash him in the tackle
1: in the game. Ask for his autograph after. Yeah, I'll I'll give you a
0: part. I'll give you a pass on the selfie with that one. And and Steve, Steve Brett, make sure you get your selfie with him before the year's out too. He may want one with you if you keep playing the way you've been playing, mate.
4: No, never. (laughs) No.
0: Well, we, mate, we appreciate you jumping on the show. It's been awesome to chat with you, and uh, been absolutely unreal to watch you these last couple of weeks. I'm sure you're only going to go strength to strength here with uh, Rugby ATL. Uh, enjoy the season. Enjoy your time in the USA. Hopefully, uh, you can you can play some good rugby in New York and LA. You don't get too too touristy there. <laughs> New York, New York's amazing. If, if you're going to get the chance, hopefully you guys can go in the city and look around. And it's open enough, mate. New York's an amazing city. So. Uh, have fun up there, and we appreciate you jumping on the show, brother.
4: Thank you so much, guys. Man, I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to talking
0: to you guys again. You guys are a bunch of great guys, man. Well, keep playing the way you're playing, and uh, it won't be the last time we have you on the show, that's for sure. Thanks, Adrian. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, guys.
4: Man, have a nice evening.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Good, good kid. Like, just I actually, I actually love the magic of people who come here for the first time, like America. I'm I'm in America and it's so cool to hear him talk about like Stephen Brett as well. He's like, yeah, I I wanted to ask for a selfie instead of like introducing myself as, hey, I'm one of your players. It's like, I watched you play for the Crusaders, you know, you're awesome. And so very cool how small the rugby world is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Watching him play, I mean, I can't wait to watch him play 10. I think that's going to change ATL. I mean, obviously, Kurt... um, you know, Kirk Home was a big, big loss, but if this guy can step in and play on the front foot, like we know ATL have a defense, right? The challenge is they're kind of like manufacturing their attack. They're trying to find the right, like, situations. That's Cura, who's done really well at 10, but probably isn't a natural 10, right? And so there's a lot of stuff that they're trying to work out. But, um, yeah, I, I I, agree with it, you know, and, and there was a little bit of sort of the wide-eyed boy coming coming to the big land right and there was, oh. there was
0: enthusiasm i almost want to do the trip to new york with him and just watch him when he gets up <laughs> give him a window seat hey atl scott lawrence give adrian a window seat and when you do that loop down there yeah down, do i think it's the uh the, is the hudson or the east river you come down i think it's the east, east hudson river you're swinging oh i, I fly in newark so it's whenever you come down and then if you get the right route, it'll flip around. You hit the statue of Liberty and you turn up the river along Manhattan and pull into Newark. Oh, magic, magic stuff. All right. Let's dive in now for the, uh, let's go to the MLR lab. Let's jump in there. So professors, um, tactics for the week. What are they, Mr. Professor? Oh, sorry. Sir, Professor Pete Steinberg. Man, this is getting, I just got 90. Um,
1: so, you know, I, I you know, working with, with Aaron a little bit, our um, our stats boy, uh, you know, I started to pull some of the numbers because I was really interested, you know, we see a lot and, and we talk a lot about possession and territory. And I think today what I, what I you know, as we went through the different games there and I started yeah. saying, hey, look, these guys won, they didn't they didn't have an edge in possession, they didn't have an edge in territory. And I was like, man, is that right? Is, is, is possession and territory like, like, what's the impact of that? And I, I said, I wanted to know what the, imp- what the biggest impact was in um, points, right? And, and it is true that possession and territory do not correlate very well with points, right? Um, territory correlates a little bit better, but, but not much, right? Um, and so I said, right, what does? Well, it turns out that number of rucks is a bad correlation, right? So that's interesting. So if rucks aren't a good correlation, um, offloads actually correlates pretty well and line breaks correlate pretty well. So, and even better is if, is the, is your ability to convert tries to line break. So the number of tries per line break, that correlates the best right and so i think what we're seeing in mlr is is that teams are able to score from a long way out and that the better teams the teams that score the most don't need many phases right and so i think you see that like that like the guiltinis right the guiltinis are scoring from first phase right they had that mm-hmm. like Weibo try caught you and caught everyone out right because mm-hmm. it was like went out one pass was a try like like, they just, they're able to they're able to score very quickly. They're able to score from a long way out. And it's not just the Giltinis. I think um, Old Glory have that ability, right? Um, I think the New England have that ability. I think teams, I think NOLA have that ability. Um, going into the NOLA Atlanta game, they both had a lot of line breaks, but neither of them converted very well. And the big difference in the game was Atlanta was able to convert their line breaks. NOLA mm-hmm. had three line breaks getting into the 22 of Atlanta, didn't convert them into trouble. So, So I think what we're seeing here is that like the best teams trust that they can run with the ball, even inside their own half. And they're able to score very quickly from a long way off, and they don't have to wear down the defenses. So defense probably isn't as good. But most importantly, I think what's lacking, which is makes sense without a preseason and early on, is that there's no cover lines. Right. So you really think about your first, second and third line of defense. Without any preseason, what you're really working is on your first line, right? So the guys that come up, and then you're not working very much on on who's covering that break in that second line, which is like often your like flanker or it's your nine, and then that third line, which is the back three rotation. Like that's like that's not because you haven't had time to work on it. So I think it's interesting that the best teams keep the ball in hand inside their own half, they have a go, right? And then the teams that like when you give up those line breaks the cover defense just isn't good
0: enough. Yeah, that is interesting because I actually did some digging when I saw this come up and looked around the world at other leagues. And while it does happen in other leagues, the the possession and territory stats will sometimes not favor the winning side. The consistency is there. Like I would say, it's probably like 70% of the time if you control possession and territory, you're winning the game. So, but you've just explained why that is. And that's why you are the professor, man. That's well, why I mean, you're the so, professor. So the other thing I would say, and, and you know,
1: I, I, I've sometimes engaged there's a pretty good Reddit MLR, right? Where there's lots of where, where we talk about a lot of this stuff. And um, I think one of the interesting things was there was a question on it that was like, Hey, are we bad at defense? Is, is MLR just bad at defense? And I think there's two things, right? There's there's poor defense and then there's poor defenders, and so I think our tackle percentages are down a bit, right? So so if you're in the premiership or if you're in super rugby, then you want your tackle percentage above eighty five percent, and we are like teams are sometimes above like that, but probably not consistently, right? Yeah. If someone gets above eighty five, that's that's really good. So we're not tackling that can be a product of your positional defense, but it's also probably a product a little bit of just not having as good tacklers. And then you know the second thing is that you know we've got teams that are relatively new that are playing together. Like it takes years to build systems, right? And so the defense here isn't as good as, as, as it is overseas, but the athleticism and speed and some of those attacking skills is, and I think that's what you're saying. And I, and, and the last thing I would say, Dan, cause I don't want to knock, um, you know, I don't think the MLR has terrible defense, but I think there's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So if you believe the defenses aren't as good, then you're more likely to run with the ball and you're more likely to attack from your own half. When you think the defense is really, is, is, is really good, then you're going to kick it. And so what we've got is teams that are attacking more. Therefore, they're finding more space. And I think that, you know, people would argue that people don't attack enough in, in, in um, uh, sports like, oh, sorry, in leagues like the premiership. They, they kick too much. They should be giving it a go. And that's what we're seeing in, in major league One.
0: Yeah. And then I think you've even said a few times, that's why it's probably the most exciting league in the world to watch. I mean, right. Uh, it's, it's uh, evolving and growing as a league, but you will see things that you won't see elsewhere. I think um, we had Squidge on the show and he's like, yeah. you know, one of his favorite leagues was the Pro D2 in France because of the same philosophy. They just throw the ball around. It's fun to watch. And, and there is that element to MLR, which has been fun to watch. All right. Speaking of fun to watch, let's go through the games for this weekend, Pete. It kicks off Saturday night, New England at San Diego. Uh, rumors coming up that this could be part of a double header now at the Coliseum so just keep an eye on that. Uh, it'll be on Fox 5 in San Diego, NESN up in New England and the rugby network everywhere else. Uh, later that night 9 p.m Eastern DC on the road against LA on Fox Sports 2. Sunday is Toronto at NOLA at 1 p.m. Eastern. This one's on Cox Sports down in NOLA. Uh, TSN up in Canada and the Rugby Network everywhere else. And then CBS Sports Game of the Week will be Sunday night at 8 p.m. It's New York at Seattle. All right. That is the schedule for this weekend. Let's bring him in. Let's bring in. Uh, he's become an absolute cult hero. Uh, people in uh, in North Korea in particular. Cannot get enough of Stats Boy. So let's grab Stats Boy and bring him onto the show.
2: Well, um, guys, um, statistics, analytics, uh, it's that time. Uh, and I'm here. Guess what? Uh, we had uh, another debut this last weekend. That was Tom Brusotti for the New England Free Jacks. Uh, so that puts us at 22 guys from the U.S uh 2020 class um that was for the draft class and undrafted free agent class so that's great but the thing that you all want to know about right is is how is Dan's performance in Superbrew yeah
1: relative relative because we don't want to know what my performance relative
2: to Pete's right no not relative
1: just absolute just, like, just we absolutely I, well can i resign from super Brew? No, I can hide, <laughs> no like an xl i can hide no.
2: but we did bring someone on um currently which w- we'll introduce shortly um but i have now um gone past the professor the professor is now 37th in the league i'm sitting at a tidy 30th um probably in part thankfully to our guest, but gorgeous dan continues to claw um, his way, and just you know, separate himself from third place. He is still in second, but on the show we have leading in the world and number one in the MLR kickoff super Bowl, pool. Scary Larry Rugby, so that's cool.
0: Okay, it's Larry Larry Weiss or California, the King of California, number one in the world, Aaron. Not just our one of the MLR world, Larry. Appreciate you coming on the show, buddy. How are you holding up out there? Oh, Pretty good. We're getting by. Just going week to week trying to make these MLR picks. <laughs> that's the most well, important that's, thing. That's, that's why we got you here. What's what's the secret? And if you want me to leave so you can just tell Pete, because I know you and I are in a bit of a heated battle here, but what is your secret? What What is the, uh, the algorithm that uh, Larry Weissel or Scary Larry puts together week after week?
2: So I have
3: this, I, I do have a model that I put together. I didn't have it at the start of the season. Um, I based most of my picks at the start of the season pretty heavily on the, uh, on the 2020 season. Um, but uh, after the first couple of weeks, I did put together a model to do a comparison, at least as a sanity check, um, to make sure that I thought my picks were making sense. Basically what it is, uh, it works is there's four components. It takes the average score, of the team in 2019, 2020, and 2021, um, and then takes the average score that their opponent uh, allows as well. So it, it, their, their total points scored would be half of what they score usually, and then half of what their opponents allow usually. And then the for the opposition then, it's the same thing. It's how much does their oppositions usually allow and how much, their, uh, how much do they usually score. So there's four components in each one as a prediction, and then you have your variance and standard deviations added onto each one. Um, so the model kind of factors in everything as the year goes on.
1: Um, do, you, um, do you weight more heavily um, games that happen this year versus games that happened two years ago?
3: Yes, and so I increase that factor as the year goes on. So for the last week, I increased the factor for 2021 to 60% of the model, um, and then 30% is 2020, and then 10% is 2019, so we have a larger data set data set as much as we can and uh, what do you do i'm an engineer <laughs> oh there you
0: go <laughs> and what's, your, what's your rugby connection
3: um so my whole family plays so my my dad's from England, my mom's from wales my brothers we all played together we uh we grew up in north carolina so we played in north carolina all through high school and college and then we got into refereeing everybody plays still so it's fun and oh, uh, probably cool. the best memory is, uh, you know, playing with my dad and he's like 60 years old and he turns up for the B side for the Raleigh old boys <laughs> and uh, me and my dad and, my, and both of my brothers, we all play together house people Oh, that is awesome.
1: That's great. So, so let's um, how, so you, you talked about the model being a sanity check. Is the model still a sanity check or is it just the outputs and you're like, like you know the dumb human who just has turned this whole fun thing into <laughs> just this like robot machine that that like you know how often do you go against the model?
3: Oh, I go against it pretty often. this one is it's a sanity check. there's so much noise in rugby and it's right. so hard to look at the stats so
1: so like, so is it so so is it just if if the scoring difference is so great, you're like, oh, like I chose this, but when I look at it that's
3: the um there's certainly a factor of that and i i'm partly aware of that in the numbers and that's why i include more older data because that partially kind of normalizes so right now when i look at my model obviously the la guillotine's data is heavily skewed one way (laughs) because (laughs) they're scoring so many points um and we only have 2021 data on that well Um, i
1: mean i i feel like you know so so as a coach i i always use stats like you said as a sanity check right so I always, I, I, I always talked about the coach's eye and then that you would have the data and the data was like, you know, does it reinforce what, what I see? Like if you talk about p- selecting a player, like I think these two out of these two players, this player is better and then use the data and it, either data showed that your choice was right, in which case you felt really confident or they would say it was close, in which case you still went with it. But if the data said it was the other way, then you would go back and, and, and you would look again. So do you see a um like like are you tracking how successful your model is and you're adjusting it based on on your on, on the performance as you go so that's how you're making those adjustments
3: yes and then like i mean this one is purely based on how much the points score it doesn't factor in home team advantage and right usually i think you know rugby teams are pretty you're pretty emotional right when you get down or when you lose big um, you're going to come back and you're going to win the next game because you're fed up with losing, right? You're more motivated. And then on the flip yeah. side, when you won multiple games on the trot, you get a little bit lazy. Um, you get uh, little hold on, lazy.
1: hold on, hold on. Like Larry, the engineer who's created the model is now talking about human emotions.
3: Are yeah. you, are you model.
1: trying to model human emotions?
3: <laughs> is, that, is that what I... <laughs> Which you can <laughs>
0: I feel like we're on a Joe Rogan podcast here with this. We're going to be talking about AI and uploading our consciousness into artificial intelligence soon with Larry here. So, Larry, when betting becomes a thing in MLR, will you use this model? Will Will you throw a bit of money down on this? Are you that confident in it? Oh, yeah.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Now I won't follow the model exactly because you have to add the factors in afterwards, right? are right. kind of weigh in your decisions. But it gives you a starting point for how good the teams are and how good they've performed against similar teams. Right. Okay, so far, so see, the factors in it. All
1: right. So so before we before we get into the picks this week, tell us what your week is like. Like Dan and I we were just talking about how we have to catch up on the games, and then we like like you know, we look at stats and then we look at the the selection. Right, so I made my picks on Saturday morning. So I want to make sure I went through the team sheet. That obviously isn't a good protocol. For- <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's what's your process like? When do you crunch the data? Do you look at team sheets? Is that an, is that an impact? And, oh, and, yeah. and then when do you put in the when when do you do your picks?
3: Um, so I mean, I do my picks when the lineups come out because the lineups will heavily skew it. And like, if there's an injury we don't know about. Um, or if they're arresting somebody, you know, that all plays into it uh, a lot, right? But basically from what I do every week, I, I, uh, you know, I watch I as many of the games as I can on the weekend and then I update the model and then I just listen to you guys. <laughs> and, you, and you, like, like
1: no, I'm, I'm actually a really good negative correlation, right? That could be really useful. It could be like, whatever Pete picks, I'm going to put that into the model as a negative factor on whether they're going to win. I mean, there's exactly.
0: probably something there, right? <laughs> do, do you have a team, Larry? Like, obviously, the, the running thing on the show is, you know, the Gilgroni acting, so I'll, I'll pick Austin, which has done well because they've won four in a row, probably against, like, the trend there. Do you have a team that, that factors into your emotions when you make picks?
3: Uh, so my team, if, if I had any team, so I refereed quite seriously for about four years, and, and Jeremy Turner, you know, one of the owners yep. of the Sabre yeah. guys, was my referee coach. And so we spent a lot of time together. So I kind of want to cheer for the Sabercats, but they're, they're, they're not playing. No, well. do, they're
0: they're going to turn the corner, Larry. I tell you, I was yeah, down there recently. Trust me, they've got good people in place there. They've just got to tweak a couple of things.
1: And, and just be Get like, yeah, just about three years. Like, support them for three years, <laughs> have them not win many games. And, like, eventually they're going to start winning, right? Like, that was – that's <laughs> yeah. like, once Dan became a kill he couldn't leave because it's like – like, I have to go through, like, an 0-20 run to get to a 4-0 run, right? That's yeah, kind of like
0: no, that's true. It, that's why I jumped on, because they didn't win a game. And I'm like, you know, I had to support the underdog. And now, yes. look at him, we're flying high. We're doing great. All right, let's jump into the picks. Uh, uh, I, 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 just last last question. Have you okay, got go. your Sorry. model yet for this week?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the okay, the right, model yeah. ran this week as soon as the scores came. Okay,
0: ahead, <laughs> okay. All right. New England on the road at San Diego. Larry, you go first on this one. Let's, let's well, I'd like here. to know what,
1: what the model says. Yep, yep. Just saying. just
0: give your algorithm on this one. You don't have to do the other three games because I know you don't want me knowing like <laughs> the numbers here. So.
3: so this one's kind of anticlimactic the model has this game as a zero line and the normal distribution has it as 50%, 50, 50 straight either way. So mm. for this one, for me, it comes down to this Josh Verneau play. All uh, right. Josh Furno plays. I'm going to pick a region. If he doesn't, I'm going to take the free jacks. Oh.
0: Can, can I give you a little scoop? Usually I do this after he, <laughs> he
3: normally does it after I pick. So yeah.
0: So there, there is a MLR center that played last year in the abbreviated season that's been signed by San Diego, probably be on the field that. this week. And he actually played for your quasi-team you support. So South African center, played for the Sabercats, now signed with the Legion. Do you know who it is? Run it on your computer.
3: I don't think I know who it is. <laughs>
0: so Tian Lutz got picked up by...
3: Yeah, so, lose, yeah.
0: so that helps a lot in that center with losing Dylan Audsley for the year as well. So I don't know if that changes your, uh, I, I think the Furno one's a big one too, Larry. So which one? You?
1: It's Larry, we don't Like like we always say, we always say, Oh, we're like, we're going to, you know, we, we want to see the lineups, but guess what? We can't see the lineups. So <laughs> you have to make a choice and you can like, you like, does your algorithm tell you that the chance that Furno plays? No, right so this is is gonna have to be the emotion larry and your belief in 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 what you think happened as as a guy from california
3: so my pick before this week was the free jacks so if i had to pick i'd take the free jacks right now if i won
1: all right i'm like i i think i'm gonna pick the free jacks i think that they had a poor first half um, yeah, look at so, so you guys can't see it, but Larry just did a bad face. So he's like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think I think free, I think there's a lot of injuries for San Diego that I think it's gonna be really tough for them. I think losing Nate Osberger is, is 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 a big loss. Um, and um, while while TM's a good center, he's not a replacement for Dylan Orsley as a playmaker.
0: So I can actually see Larry's computer screen in the reflection there. And as soon as you started talking and picked the free jacks, the computer. Flipped over to San Diego. So
1: <laughs> what's your choice, then?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm probably leaning the same way, man. They are so depleted with injuries right now. Um, but that's a long trip for New England. But it is New England trip. lose another game. That East Coast is so so competitive that losing another game for them, they're they're at the bottom right now, but they're not I think they're a bonus point win from first place, and that's how tight the East is. They lose this one on the road. Um the only saving grace is... No, well, look that. All There's four teams above them. Who's not playing this weekend? Atlanta. So Atlanta's not playing. And who's the other East Coast... It's like when Atlanta's, playing? Atlanta's not
1: playing, and Atlanta are like one, and they could be in like fourth place at like, like by the end of the weekend. It's kind of nuts.
0: Who am I, who am I missing, Pete? isn't DC, New England, New York are playing. So no ATL and no... Nola is playing Toronto. No, Austin. Oh no, no, that's it. Don't worry. So there's are the on the only East Coast team not playing. Right, so yeah, right, New no, England, no. New England could be in uh, strife here. I'll go San Diego right now though. Yeah, I think okay. because they always got a you picks for me. All, right, All right, um, um, I'll take the DCLA.
1: Yep. I'll take that one. Yep. Um, what is like? Hold it. My algorithm says LA. I don't know what everyone else is. <laughs> I think this is one where like you don't need the data. So I think I think we'll choose LA. What is um. What is the uh what's what's the percentage here for on um, Larry? What does the algorithm say on the percentage side?
3: The, the algorithm gives uh old glory a four percent chance of winning. <laughs> a what a four
1: percent? Four percent a four
0: percent chance of winning. Okay. It's actually little Lloyd Christmas there, you know, you're telling me there's a chance. I feel like that. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, D- DC can score points, they can move the ball around, but that defence is probably not um, where yeah. it needs to be right now. I think anyone's been able
1: to slow down LA, right? I mean, I guess the um, the Arrows did for the first half, right? It was 10-9 at halftime, and they're the only the only team. I mean, I think the second half this week, obviously, LA took their foot off the gas, but I think the, um, that first half that Toronto played, I thought, was the best half that anyone's played against LA, and Toronto won't see them again unless it's the final. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's sort of like you got to be scrappy, you got to contest at the breakdown, you got to contest at the set piece, you got to screw them up. You got to like have lots of cover defense, you got to work really hard, but you can do it and Toronto showed that that they could do it. It's like the first part first time we kind of saw Toronto of last year was in that first half I thought.
0: Yeah. You got you LA too, Larry, right? On this one. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 a sanity check. If we chose D.C., it would be
0: like 4%. Mm. Yeah. No, it's right, it's yeah, interesting. On- LA, L.A.'s been tested twice this year in both games on the road. So I think if they lose a the game, it's going to be a road trip for them. They just look unbeatable at, uh, at home in L.A. So, yeah, L.A. All right, Toronto at NOLA. Toronto. Man, they, they've turned. They're looking great. That back line's clicking. They're all figured it out. The forward pack strong. Lucas Rumble. If, if I had to pick an MVP of the league like today, I think Lucas Rumble is probably going to yeah. be at the top of that list. He's been unbelievable. His influence on that team turning around, their wins been great. So I'll go Toronto, which is uh, it's a concern for Nola because you're going to put them in the same boat as New England. Another loss for Nola here, and they're, they're down the bottom looking well and truly up the ladder. Larry, what do you think in this one?
3: Yeah, the, the model has Toronto by four. There, I'm going to stick with that.
1: Toronto's yep. going to gonna win again. Well, I'm, 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 I'm going to make, make you guys feel happy because I'm going to choose Nola just because I can't catch up if I choose Toronto. But I think there's some reasons, right? I think, um, you know, Nola um, have struggled in poor weather, which is what they've had the whole time. They play very fast. They play very flat. Like, they've had a lot, you know, they had a lot of errors. Like, they, they were able to play with Atlanta in the first half. Then there was this downpour Right, right in the first half, lasted the half time, and then they really struggled in the second half. I mean, I think the big question for Nola is going to be the fly half position. That's that's where losing Robbie Coleman has been a a real a real loss for them. And whether Hanno Dirksen can fill in there, um, we don't we don't know. I mean, I think I think Toronto's probably gonna win, but I might have to pick Nola.
0: All right, last one. New York, Seattle. Pete, you're off on this one. What do you reckon? Oh, I think this is New York. I mean, I think, I think they rested Andy Ellis
1: last week. I think he'll play. It's a long way to go. Um, I'm really concerned about the Seattle defense. I think New York will score points. Um, I don't think Seattle have enough playmakers in their back line to score, to, to match them with points. So that's, that's what I think.
0: Larry, your thoughts on this one?
3: Yeah, Rooney's going to bounce back after getting shellacked by uh, Toronto last week. Right. Uh, they're going to win this one. What does We've the model got, say? Uh, um, the uh, model has Rooney by five with a – let me check here. Top-notch podcasting. Uh, 66% chance of winning. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's interesting because you're pulling data from 2019 when Seattle were would win a lot of games. So for had that to be that skewed – Look at you, about, Dan. Look at you uh, questioning
1: the machine. No, I'm just saying he's, he's got no, so no, much history in the data. we should always true. question the machines. I like it. question the machines.
0: Well, my question is, is New York's 66% chance to win? And if you've got 2019 data in there, and we know Seattle's not 2019 yeah. Seattle, should mm-hmm. it be higher than that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be on New York on that one as well, unless there's something drastic on the roster. All right. I don't think I can catch you this week, Larry. There's only four games.
3: I mean, yeah, well, you never know. <laughs>
0: I'm going to have to hack into the back door of that computer and start changing things around, you know, <laughs> Seattle over LA, 72%. Oh, I've got to pick Seattle. <laughs> That's the only way I can do it. Pete, anything else? No, no. It's been, um, you know, I, I feel
1: like um, I should start feeding Larry some of the data that I have on, on performance and maybe we, we could create like a, a, a super model to um, to make sure that Dan doesn't win. That's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I, I don't care if I don't win, Larry, but I really don't want Dan to win. So, right, well, that's going to help out. you. I think, I think, I think, you know, I should do.
0: Good stuff. Who needs enemies, right, Larry, when you've got Pete Steinberg in your corner? Yeah. Good, guy. <laughs> good stuff. Well, that is going to wrap us up for episode 87 for our guest, Larry Weissel, Scary Larry, the number one in the world at the moment on Superproof, Pete Steinberg, and Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 87 of MLR Kickoff, brought to you by ShopMLR.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.